Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be here, Lord. I pray, Father, as we just come before you, God, that we would focus on you and you alone, that there would be nothing that would um, bother, hinder what you have for us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you know each of us. You know where we're at. You know what we need. I thank you that none of us are here by accident. I thank you for just the, the gift of music and what it is and how we can um, just be experience you in a different way through that. And then I do pray for Rob this morning as he brings your word, Lord. Um, I thank you, Father, that you have um, chosen a message for us this morning that is not just timely, but it is to produce something within us, to produce some sort of, of reaction um, from us. So may nothing hinder that within us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
God.
Father, we I pray God are here for only one reason. seek more of you, to, to hear from you, Lord, as we open up your word, Father, that you would draw us closer to you, Lord. We stand with the assurance that, Father, the work you've begun in us, that, God, you are faithful to complete. I pray that we would remain humble before you. We would seek not our own purpose and our own desires. God, that we would truly be a people who seek you above all. God, that we would impact our, our communities, Lord, with the love of God, with your gospel, with the truth. God, that we would serve God as you have served. God, that you would give us compassion for the lost. That you would awaken us, Father, to the urgency of this day and this hour. That we would not be so consumed with ourselves and our circumstances and our needs and wants. That we would be consumed by your presence. That you would give us a greater anointing, a fresh anointing fresh wind and a fresh fire. God, that you would give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, for more of you, Lord. So that ultimately, God, our lives would bring you glory and honor. That your will will be done in and through us. So I thank you for this day as we gather, Father, to open up your word, to be encouraged, Pray that we would be attentive, Father, as you lead us and as you bring conviction upon us and as you strengthen us as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning to everyone, and I haven't said good morning to you. I want to go to Genesis in the beginning, chapter 6, verse 9. think about the kind of the, I hate to call it a series, but this is kind of what we've been doing, the series of understanding his lordship. We're going to kind of tie it up and end with it today, but I pray that it's something that is continually before us each and every day. That as believers, if you're calling yourself a Christian, that you have fully submitted yourself to Christ as Lord and Savior. He hasn't forced you. You chose. You willingly have laid down your life because you saw such great love and you've heard of such great love of God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God freely gave His Son for us. 
to reconcile us back to him. Because we understand that all of us were born into this nature, this sin nature that is in complete rebellion towards God. All of us need a savior. In and of ourselves, we cannot make ourselves right. We cannot make ourselves good. We cannot fix ourselves as much as we would like to try to. The assurance of salvation, this understanding that that God gave himself for us so that we can be reconciled back to him. That this new nature, as we have come to Christ, that we are born again. And in this new nature, now we are growing and we are maturing as we learn of him, as we're led by his Holy Spirit to honor him. You see, this earth that we're in, in the state in which it's in now, it's in complete rebellion towards the things of God. And he calls us out. And yet though he calls us out, he brings us right back in. And he says, now go. Go be my witnesses. Go tell others that there's hope. Go tell the broken and the weary and the lost that they're loved. That they have a purpose in life. You see, we're conforming to something. We are conforming even to the things of this world, or we're conforming to the things of God. You have a choice to make. Each of us have a choice to make. You're presented with things every single day of your life. And it's a choice of what you're surrendering to. Your will or His. Your will would want to be conformed to this world. But when you are abiding in him, when he is your Lord, you have submitted yourself to him, your will begins to line up with his. You choose life and not death. You see, the gospel is good news to those who have ears to hear. But I find it interesting in the scripture that we're going to open up with. I want you to hear it. It says here, This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man the only blameless person living on the earth at that time. And look what it says about Noah. And he walked in close fellowship with God. I don't know if you've studied Noah, if you've read about Noah, but if you haven't, go read these chapters about Noah and what God called Noah to do. He was the only one In his day and age, I was living for God. He walked in close fellowship with God. God was about to bring judgment to the earth. He told Noah to build an ark. People of Noah's time, I'm sure, laughed at him. 
They were giving themselves over to everything in this earth, you all. All the pleasures of this earth. People were giving themselves over to the sex, to, to drugs, to, 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 to slander, to murder, to everything that the rebellious nature craves and loves. They were giving themselves to it. And when they looked at Noah, I'm sure they mocked him. They laughed at him. Look at crazy Noah. He's building a boat. What is he saying that the flood is, the flood is coming? They've never seen rain before. And yet, God used him because he walked in close fellowship with God. He didn't get sidetracked, you all, with the cares and the desires of this world. And Noah was just a man. There was really nothing special about him. He was born just in the same nature as we were born in. But there was something within him that he committed to God and to remain close to God. Can we say that about ourselves? Can this be written about us? You see, we have an opportunity to have relationships and a relationship with God, to be restored back to God, all because of what Jesus did. Jesus laid his life down so that we can be reconciled back to God, that we can walk in close fellowship with God. That we can have the Holy Spirit within us. That when we accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God dwells within you. And that is whom we are to be dependent upon each and every day to walk close with God. That we would be a people on this earth in this day and age, because it's funny, if you understand the Bible, it says that in the last days before Jesus returns, it's going to be worse than the days of Noah. Huh? Yeah. Because the hunger of the flesh, the desires that are from within this rebellious nature, is going just to increase. That's why it's vital for Christians not just to come to church, but to be the church. Because as a Christian, you have full authority and power of the kingdom of God. God has prepared good works for you to do in your generation. That you would be one who would be marked out to call his own. And that people would look at you. And even if they want to mock you, even if they want to laugh at you, even if they don't even understand you, that you would not fall prey to the cares of this world. Know that you would be solid in your faith and walk close with God. God, you haven't given up on me, so God, I'm not going to give up on you. God, I'm going to stand here. God, no matter what everyone else is saying, what everyone else is doing, I don't have to go that way. 
Go to Romans 12. Scripture we've read before, but I want to bring it back in front of us again. Romans 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Not to the filth of this world, not to the desires that feel good to the body. No, give your bodies to God. Because, listen, you were created by God. You have a sense of, 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 of significance, a purpose, like all of us, apart from God, we live to find ourselves. But we will never truly find who we truly are until we fully come to an understanding of Christ Jesus and what he came to do and how he came to reconcile us back to God so that we can be the clay and he can be the potter. That we can trust him. Mold me, break me. Whatever you need to do, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. That we give our bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. To truly worship God is to abide in Him, to live for Him. Like everything about you, your whole very being is just a, is in a state in the presence of just worship. Because you're giving yourself over to Him. Your, your body and your mind and your soul and everything about you is consumed in the presence of God and just, God, here I am. Send me. Use me today to feed the homeless, to pray for the sick, to love on the lost, to encourage a brother and sister in Christ. God, just here I am, Lord. Don't let me get so focused on myself. Because I realize if I'm living for self, then I'm choosing, I'm choosing to rebel against you. And I don't want to choose that. He goes on, it says here, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Remember I said earlier, you're conforming to something. If the world has your attention, you're going to conform and you're going to become worldly. You'll look like the world, you'll act like the world, you'll smell like the world. Everything about you will represent the world. And isn't it funny that somehow, some way, we can come to church and pretend as if we're painting on a face that now we're godly, when in reality, uh, our very nature and our very being is worldly. And we can think we're fooling ourselves. No. If you're of the world, then be of the world. Why would you choose the world? Especially if your eyes have been opened to truth. 
Why would you continue to choose the world when you know the world only offers you death? Because we're all dying. You're going to take your last breath at some point in your life and you really think the world saves you? No, the world destroys you. So you're not to copy the patterns or the behaviors of the world. No, no, look what it says here. But let God, remember, it's God who does the work in you, not you. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God does this work in us. And he transforms us to be Christ-like because we've been born again of the Spirit. And the way this work happens within us, it's by he changes the way we think because he gives you an option. Remember, he doesn't force you to love him. It's a choice. It's a choice. So when's the last time You've allowed God to change the way you think. When you know you shouldn't be thinking the way you think. Because the, in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, it says, As a man thinks, or as a woman thinks, so he becomes. Whatever you're thinking upon is what you'll become. And if you're thinking upon the things of the world, you will become worldly. You will act again like the world. You will live like the world. You will smell like the world. Everything about you would be the world. And we know all of that leads to destruction. Or you can think on that which is good, that which is pure, that which is lovely. Think on things like, like the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering. You know, love. You think upon these things and watch how you begin to change. Remember, I keep telling you, it's not about being a perfect Christian. No, it's about being a maturing Christian. You should be growing up. No matter what your age is. No matter what your age is. If you're saying that you believe in Jesus Christ, then you are to begin to be transformed daily. No, I'm not to think this way. No, I'm not to touch that. No, I'm not to view that. No, I'm not to take that. No, I don't have to give in to that. And it's not me doing the work in me. No, God, I'm trusting in you. You say that you will transform me by the renewing of my mind, and my mind right now, God, is not towards you. So, God, help me. So many times we make so many excuses in our lives. And those excuses keep you enslaved. Those excuses keeps you in bondage. And that's not what God has for his people. We are freed people. We are freed people in Christ. The world doesn't have to harm us. The world, we don't have to be afraid of the world. We don't have to be afraid of all the craziness that's going on out there. We don't even have to be afraid of all the dirtiness in it. We understand that's what it is. But yet we can walk in it and not be tainted by it. We can live among them and not be swayed by them. 
And we can go out as Jesus did and we can serve and we can love and we can proclaim the good news. And we recognize people, no, not a lot of people accepted Jesus. They mocked him, they laughed at him, they beat him, they killed him. But it didn't stop him. And it shouldn't stop us. Because we're being transformed. And then look what it says here. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. Which is good, which is pleasing, and which is perfect. If you start allowing God to be God, Lord of your life, He'll begin to change the way you think. Remember, we must be born again and born of the spirit I gave you notes because we're not going to be meeting this Wednesday and I won't see you for a week or so because we won't be meeting next Sunday either so I've given you these notes I'm going to go ahead and just type them out so I want you to have them today as we kind of go through them and then I want to encourage you to take them pray through them study the scriptures Ask the Holy Spirit, if you don't understand, to give you wisdom. What does this mean? Because you remember in the book of James, it says you just can't be hearers of the word. Just hearing the word doesn't do anything to, for you. It's doing the word. The word of God says that the Bible is the word of God and it's living and active. The word has to be lived in and through you. If you're coming to church and you're sitting here and you're busy doing everything else, thinking of everything else, just whatever, I'm just here just because I have to be here, then it's doing you no good. And that's your choice. To abide in your flesh. But why would you? Because the word of God says it's best that you have never heard than to hear and not do. You're accountable for what you're hearing today. You're not going to be able to stand before God and say, I never knew. No, when you take your last breath and you stand before God, and he says, I don't know you, depart from me. You won't be able to stand there and say, no one ever told me. Oh, no. He has loved you so much that he has pursued you to reveal himself to you. And the majority of you from a young age. From a young age. on. We've got to start living this in our homes. Living it in our friendships. Living it in our relationships. Everything about us. In your schools, in your studies. Through the adults who work, in your work ethic. Everything about you it should be transforming. Because you're saying, God, use me. Because I know I have received such great love and I just don't want to keep it for myself. I want others to know about you. I want others to see that, God, you can transform a broken person. You can transform a, a, a wounded, broken, abused man. <laughs> and transform him. Or transform you into his servant. enjoy the things of God to be in his presence 
and to want to see others enjoy it and understand it. So in these scriptures here, in these quotes here for today, I titled this, I Choose to Surrender, I Choose to Follow. And you've probably heard me quote this before, but it's something that I've shared before. It's Jesus isn't moved by your interest in him. He is moved by your commitment to him. We all like to post and do little things and Jesus and Jesus saves and oh like if you if you believe in God and you know we have all these different conversations about God and Jesus and ooh and yet our lives are not even impacted by Jesus. And you realize how foolish and worldly you look? Because the world looks at your life and goes, well, you're no different than me. And do you realize what we do to the image of Jesus? When we strip him down and make him worldly? No, no, we are his representatives. The, uh, the Bible says that we are to be his ambassadors. We are to represent him in all that we say and do. And we raise up his standards, not in everyone else's life, but in our lives. And we don't allow others who around us, or even in our own families, just because they don't want to follow Jesus, we don't allow them to sway our standing with Christ. No, we're secure in the fact that, no, God, we belong to you. And I don't care what my daddy, my mama, my brother, my sisters, my aunt, my uncle, whoever, I don't care how they're choosing to live, I don't have to go that way. Even if Jesus is on their lips. Because in reality, they don't know you. Because they're worldly. There's a lot of people interested in Jesus. But that doesn't mean that they belong to Jesus. Read scripture. There's a lot of people who followed Jesus, but they didn't believe in Jesus. No, no, it's those who obey. It's those who are committed to Christ. Because he was first committed for them. He, he gave himself. The commitment began with him, and we read last week where, it's, where the word says that he chose us, we didn't choose him. That's beautiful, you all. Like God chose you. God loves you. God is pursuing you. God desires that you belong to him because he's the only one that can save you. He's the only one that knows eternity. And is calling you to eternity with him. It is not his will that any should perish. It's all or nothing. And I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. It says, you and your sin must separate or you and your God will never come together. You and your sin must separate because you've died to your old ways, and now you're learning to live again. People say, well, that, that concept of being born again, that concept of, of living in a new, a new person, a new creation, what is that? 
will ask you to show you. You see, when you accept Jesus, the call of a disciple, and we'll read it shortly, it is you coming to Christ and you're willingly laying yourself down. You're not physically dead, but to your old ways, to your old will, to your old desires, the Word of God says that you are to reckon that you've nailed that old man, that old woman to the cross. And you're born again. Just like when you were born as a baby... You had to be fed, you had to be nurtured, you had to be taken care of. You began to develop. It's taken years to get you where you've been. But when you come to Christ, you're born again, so it's going to take some time to develop. So enjoy the process. But don't neglect it. Enjoy it. It hurts. Death hurts. But the promise of God, nothing can compare to it. Nothing can compare to it. In John 15, verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Y'all think of his love daily? You should. Do you wake up with the understanding that you're loved by God? No matter what man has done to you, no matter what your, your situation in life looks like, like you're loved by God. And God's love is not a little coddling love that just keeps you enslaved to sin. No, it's a love that frees you to the realities of heaven, to his kingdom. And you say, oh, this world is not my home. I've got a place that I'm going to that he's preparing for me. So I will keep my eyes on him. He will walk me through this time on this earth. And I want to be like Noah. I want it to be said that I walked close and close fellowship with God. I want to remain in his love. Uh, look at this. The hearer of the word may show many blossoms of promises, but it is the doer that delivers the ripened fruit. You see, the word lives in him. He lives in the word. And he is the fruit-bearing branch. A real doer. Like I was saying earlier, you just can't be a hearer of the word. It does nothing for you. You have to be a doer. It's what produces fruit in your life. John 20, verse 27 says, Do not be unbelieving, but believing. If you're lacking in faith, if you're unsure about things, then ask for it. I've encouraged all of us. If, you're, if you see an area in your heart because the Holy Spirit is bringing to, to reality in front of you, and I, no, I don't love, I'm lacking in that. I'm lacking in compassion. I'm lacking in understanding. I'm lacking in wisdom. Then just ask Him. God, show me how to love. Give me the wisdom that I need for today. Help me not to get distracted. Like, I'm believing. I'm not unbelieving. I'm not living like the world that doesn't believe in you. No, I'm a believer. And so I need to live like a believer. You need to live like a believer. It says here in Isaiah 55, 3, Incline your ear, listen to this, and come to me. 
hear, and your soul shall live. That's God speaking. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear, and your soul shall live. John 8, 36 says, If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. It doesn't say if the Son makes you free, you're still enslaved, and this little bit, and this little bit, or that, or this, or that, or that. No, you are free indeed. And I told you over and over, and I continue to encourage you, you're as free as you want to be. God is not holding anything back from you. God is not demanding of you to do this, do this, do this, and then I'll give you this, or then I'll work this out for you. No, 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 no. You're as free as you want to be. As you see him, so shall you live. And if he's not a great God, if he's not the king of the universe, the, the king of kings and the lord of lords, uh, then he'll just live a life that is in constant, chaotic mess. But if you see him, for his greatness and for who he is, it doesn't matter your circumstances. Your circumstances can be a chaotic mess, but your circumstances won't rule you. So we just don't come to God to fix our messes and to make everything perfect. Oh, no, 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 no. We come to God with the full assurance of what he did for us through his son Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection his ascension and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. And that he has made us free, and I'm as free as I want to be. If I want to be like a dog and go back to my vomit, then so be it, I'll choose that. But why would I? You're as free as you want to be. You want all freedom? Then pursue him with everything you have. And watch how your life will be transformed because your mind will be renewed. And as your mind is renewed, so the way you'll go of God. You'll be godly. Look at John 14, verse 17. The spirit of truth dwells with you and will be in you. Isaiah 2, 5 says, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And John 15, 1 through 17, apart from him we can do nothing. He is the vine, we are the branches. In Matthew 16, verse 24 through 25, here's the call of a disciple. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. The way of a disciple. This isn't man's way. This is God's way. Again, isn't it interesting? Have you read through Scripture and how Jesus interacted with people? He didn't force people to follow him. In fact, there were a few where he basically told them, no. And you say, tell them, no. Yeah, do you remember the young man? I'll follow you. Come then. Oh, but <laughs> let me go back and take care. Uh, no. Follow me.
the rich young ruler. I've done everything. I've kept the law. Look how religious I am. We'll sell everything, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the man walked away. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they kept coming up on Jesus, trying to tear him down and, and, and strip him of who he was. And he stood directly toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, exposing them for who they were. He called them the children of the devil. He knew his purpose. He knew not everyone would follow him. He even says, the road is narrow. Not everyone is following Jesus. But those who choose to must learn of this call. If anyone, this is Jesus speaking, would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and I love this, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Two questions that we need to answer as we're considering his lordship. Go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Verse 13 through 18. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Who do you say he is? When you get the true understanding of who Jesus is, it's not because you were taught it or, or man gave you an understanding. No, it's because God himself was pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus. That's why a lot of people sit in church. They know of Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. And how sad. How sad. You know if you know Jesus because your life would represent him. Even when you're in error. Or you've sinned. Because you're filled with conviction. Oh God, I don't belong here. Forgive me. You know if you just know Jesus, but don't know Jesus because you'll just come to church and you'll just, whatever, and you'll go right back out and live however you want. See, then you're just playing a game. 
And in the end, you lose. And not just you, but others that you drag to hell with you. Because you've held a form of religion. But you denied his power. And how sad. Who do you say that he is? He asked him, who are people saying that I am? Go out there, I challenge you. Go out there and ask people, who do you say Jesus is? Listen to the responses that you'll get. The right question is for yourself. Who do you say he is? Because how you answer it is how you'll live for him. I said, we've got to stop playing church. People are dying and going to hell. Terror is being unleashed throughout the earth. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Riots, anything could happen at any moment of time, and we're all just sitting around playing our little games, desiring our little flesh, doing the little things that we know we ought not to be doing because we think we have all the time in the world. In reality, we don't. We don't. So I believe that this understanding of of answering this question, who do I say you are? Because that's going to shape my thinking. And as I think, so I'll go. And as I think, so I'll be transformed. And if I think and I know that the very understanding of your word, because you revealed it to me, that you are the Messiah, you are the Son of the living God. And through you, I have been reconciled back to God, and my eternity is secure in this relationship with the living God, then by God, I'm yours. And I'm not ashamed to tell others of who you are. Look at the next one in John chapter 6. And this is a popular teaching that I like to teach from John chapter 6. Verse 25. I'm going to pick up in verse 26. But let me set the stage for you. I've said it many times for us before. There's a lot of people following Jesus. Well, because he's been blessing their lives. He's been healing them. He's been providing for them. Isn't it interesting that we all can shout when Jesus blesses us? Woo, we're so excited. Let me tell you how God paid my bills today. Let me tell you how God touched my body. Let me tell you how God did this and God did that and God did this and God did that. And yet, and yet, and yet, it doesn't transform us. But where are the people who not only will testify of his blessings, but they're testifying and of transparency of the transformation that's taking place in them. And it's real, because it's who they are, because they're in Christ. 
you're just not following Jesus for a blessing. The multitude were following Jesus. And he started talking about how he's the bread of life. It says here in verse 26, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Well, even Jesus knows. Huh? I know why you're hanging around. You're only here because I fed you. You have no understanding of who I am. You just like what you're getting. Wow, can I be said about you? About me? Just hanging around the church. There's a lot of leeches in the churches. They just suck life out of the church. Out of pastors, out of lay people, out of everybody. Because they just do for me. And if you don't do for them, or you don't do how they like it, they're quick to turn on you. They're quick to talk about you. And your teachings, and your preachings, and this, and this, and that, and this. Be careful of people that have a tongue like a snake. Because they're upset. Because things just don't go their way. Careful. They're wicked. They're demonic. Don't let them even speak into your life. And be bold enough to tell them. Be bold enough to tell them. Care enough about their eternity to let them know you're in error. You're an error. You're bringing division. Your heart should be more about repentance and restoration. And yet all you speak. And Jesus knows the heart. He was able to look at these people and said, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. That's how you should be living your life. Spend your energy, spend your time, spend everything, the very being of your essence of who you are, seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one who has sent. He has sent. That's all you're to do. Believe in the one, Jesus Christ. His one and only Son that He has sent. And in that belief, you will start conforming to His will and you will do the good works that God has prepared for you. But it first begins when you believe. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. Well, He's already done so many. And He's already told them they don't understand. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me. Not to do my own will. And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of those he has given me. But that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see this Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because He had said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Uh, they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know His father and mother. How can He say, I came down from heaven? Here Jesus is revealing himself to them, and they are complaining about it. Isn't he Jesus, the son of Joseph? But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from Him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I who was sent from God have seen Him. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they, are, they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. Then the people began to argue with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is the true food, and my blood is the true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats the bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate manna, but will live forever. Jump down to verse 60. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept this? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? That what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are, are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. Then he said, this is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? That's the second question. Are you going to be like everyone else who walks away from God because they don't understand? Because they want it to be something that they want it to be? Instead of allowing it to be what Jesus has purposed it to be? There's a lot of people, again, we will use Jesus' name, but they don't know Jesus. And you'll know because his power is not displayed within them. A transformed life. Once was, but now I am. That's a mark of a believer. Not someone who just wallers around and stays. But yet, says Jesus, these people hung around. And Jesus knew their heart. And did you see what he kept bringing them back to? Eternal life. Eternal life. Not this worldly life. Not the, not the cares of this world. No, he kept bringing their attention back to eternity. Because you're going to spend it either with God or apart from God. It's your choice. But why would you choose his wrath when he has revealed his love to you? Like he, came, he kept bringing them back to the attention of eternity. I will raise them up. 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 Eternal life. Eternal life. Eternal life. And they all looked. They murmured. They complained. And they said, this is too hard of a teaching. And they left. <laughs> they left. And as you've heard me before, and you can probably preach it because you've heard it so many times, this is where, if I was writing the Bible, I would have wrote, Jesus wept. Uh, Jesus, the thousands are leaving. Your ministry, Jesus, is, looks like it has failed because you don't have a huge group anymore. Like, Jesus, uh, do something because they're all leaving quickly. He didn't weep. He didn't cry. He was not moved by their rejection. He stood there and watched them all walk away because he knew their hearts. They were never towards him. Never. Then he looked at the twelve. Are you leaving too? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give uh, eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is the devil. <laughs> Though the twelve are remaining, I know there's one of you who is the devil. They replied, where can we go? You hold the words to eternal life. 
where can we go? What is there to go back to? The abuse? The negative? The crazy life? All your wounds and all your whatever? Go back. It's your choice. But why would you? Eternal life is before you. And he holds the words. He will transform you. He frees you to live a new life. No longer marked by the pain and the hurt from the past. You say, really? I say, yeah. Because listen, you all. I don't make light of the pain and the hurt that you've been through in life. But if we focus only solely on that every day of our being, mm. then he's not your Lord. He's not your Lord. All your pain and your past and your everything else that's behind it is what's lording over you. Jesus offers you hope and freedom from that. Mm -hmm. I was abused. I can give you my sob story. I can tell you all the stuff that happened to me when I was a kid. I can tell you how I grew up. And I can tell you the man that's standing here now wouldn't be standing here if those things still ruled over me. There is to be no darkness. You can do all you want with darkness, but you're only fooling yourself. The darkness rules you and destroys you. Oh, I could, I could hold a lot of people prisoner with unforgiveness. There's a lot of people who hurt me and abused me, failed me. And I would have a right to not forgive them. But I chose to. Because I know what it's like to be free and I don't want them enslaved. My prayer is that they would be free. See, we can have all the excuses in the world, but your excuses amount to nothing before God. Because he gave his son to take all that away. You can be and live as a brand new person. Really? No longer having scars? Yeah. Learning to forgive. Learning to love. And love Without, expecting, without expectations or expecting anything of return from others. Just loving. To have compassion. To not be full of anger and bitterness and rage. But to learn to be gentle and kind. Because the moment that you want to bring up your past, or you don't know what they've done to me, or you don't know this, or you don't know that, and you can fill yourself up. It's your choice. But I would rather you learn of God so that he will transform you and change the way you think. Well, I don't have to still be their victim. See, a lot of you and a lot of us sit and we're still a victim of whoever hurt us. And that person probably doesn't even think nothing of you anymore. <laughs> but you're still their victim 20 years later, 30 years later. And you've chosen that because that's what you're comfortable with. And I know people don't like this, but I tell people when I counsel people, I said it almost becomes like a blanket of security because I don't know who else I would be if I'm not a victim of that person. 
So give me my blanket so I can just wrap up in it. Doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? But that's what we do. And God is saying, but that's not what I have for you. Give me that. And we tug and war back with God for our blankets. And he says, I've got a better blanket for you. I've got these loving arms that will wrap around you and heal you of everything. Do we really believe? Because that's the God he is. And so, are you leaving him too? You know, it says in the last days that many will fall away from the faith. The hearts of many are going to grow cold. They're going to become more rebellious. And the love of many will grow cold. Could you imagine living in a day like that? We already are. And that's why the church, we should be known by our love. And not the world's definition of love, where we just, ah, no, love. True love raises up a standard. True love doesn't allow you to remain enslaved. True love will get in your face and be bold with you. True love produces hope in Christ, eternal life. True love. So Jesus himself understood this. Are you leaving too? Where can we go? That should be our answer, you all. It should be your answer. When the world is calling you, when, when, when you're learning of Jesus and it just seems a little bit too hard or I don't understand, don't turn from him. That's the time to press in and to seek him even more. So many people fall away. Let that not be said of you. Seek him. And let those be your words. Where can I go? You hold the words to eternal life. John 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And there's no way around that. If you're not obeying the commands of Jesus, you don't love him. So don't pretend like you do. Be real with yourself. I go, God, and repent. Get before him. Obedience is yet another mark of those who are truly living under his lordship. John 15, verse 13 through 14 says, Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And then Romans 6, 11, you're to count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God and Jesus Christ. So when sin comes a-knocking, when temptation comes a stirring, cause it will. Temptation is not sin. It's when you give in to it that sin is birth and it leads to death. But look what it says there. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do you do that daily? Because you should wake up every day. Not thinking you've got this and that you're all and everything, you got all under control. No, no, no. Every single day you should be quoting this verse. I am dead to sin, but I'm alive in God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Think about if you said that each and every single day and throughout the day. Your mind is being renewed from the old to the new. 
You're shaking off the worldliness and you're applying godliness to your life. No, I'm dead to sin. So when the temptations come throughout the day, because they will, this world is throwing everything at you. All sexual pleasure, all anything to numb your hurts and your wounds. You know, everything that's being tossed at you to make you transform and conform to the world. But if you get up every day and you begin to truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, that I've reckoned myself dead, I'm dead to sin, that rebellious nature, and I'm alive in Christ Jesus. I'm living for God. You won't go put your hand to those things. You'll be careful of the friends that you select. And who influences you. And you will become an influencer. Not everybody's going to like what you have to share. But you'll become a leader. You'll start pointing others to eternal life. And don't make it about you and your ministry and everything, your anointing. Because it has nothing to do with you. It has all to do with him. Live your life as a humble servant on this earth. And point people to Jesus. Here's another scripture you should be saying daily and memorizing. Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified. My old ways, my old desires, my old hurts, everything about the old man has been crucified. I no longer am living for myself. No, I'm living for Christ. Wow. Galatians 5.3 It is for freedom that Christ has set you free, so stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again, I love this, by a yoke of slavery. <coughs> you're free. If you've given yourself to Christ, you are free. Now you're just maturing in this new nature. You're not to be burdened any longer by the weight of sin. You're not to be yoked to something that's so heavy that just drags you down. No, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And look at this promise here. Stand firm and don't let yourselves be yoked back up or burdened again. Don't let yourselves be burdened again. It's your choice. You, you see that? No one does it to you. You choose it. Mm -hmm. Don't let yourself be burdened again or yoked with slavery. Are y'all teaching this in your homes? In your lives? Is it a standard in which you're living? I, I pray for, for the church. Could you imagine if we really start believing what we say we believe? <laughs> Could you imagine the difference that would be made out there in society? In your own lives, in your own homes? If we really start believing what we say and whom we say we believe. Do you realize in the book of Acts, the church throughout history after the church was birthed, people knew they were Christians. 
They follow the way. <laughs> those are those followers of Jesus. And they were hated. The church is not going to be accepted in the world. Look how they mock Christians even on the news now. Look how they mock Christianity. These should be standards that are raised up in our lives. And we should have such a bold and a determination within us that said, not on my watch. God, I'll get up. As you lead me, God, throughout this day, just use me to serve you. That others know of the way of eternal life through Jesus Christ, through my life. I know I'm not going to be popular. I know I'm not going to be well accepted and everyone's going to flock to hear. God, I'm not seeking popularity. <laughs> I'm not seeking a huge ministry. I'm just seeking to live a life that honors you. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Let these truths be marked in my life. Galatians 3, verse 3. Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? See, you've been born again, but somehow you got misled because of religious people around you, and now you're trying to live this out in the flesh. It's nothing new. It's happened from the beginning. And Paul addresses it. Are you foolish? And you know what a fool is? Someone who says that there is no God. They live as if there's no God. Are you so foolish to continue to live as if there's no God? When what's, what's begun in you was by the Spirit. And now you're trying to work all this out in the flesh? Being legalistic? Trying to follow all these rules and laws and do's and don'ts and this and that? putting on an appearance but not godly at all. 2 Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. It didn't say well, you don't have to. Well, you know, if, if you want to, no, you must turn away from wickedness. You see, there's a way to live, you all, and it's under his lordship. It's under his lordship. He says there, and I love the fact that the Lord knows who are his. In Philippians 4.13, isn't this a great scripture to remember? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what my day looks like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My strength and my help comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from my friends. It doesn't come from you know, my finances were better, or if my health was better, or if this was better, or that was better, or whatever else. No, my strength is and my hope is in Christ 
and in Christ alone. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This, I love this quote from Jack Hayford. Real commitment is never a decision we make with fears, white knuckles of self-determination and grinding teeth, as though to say, I'll try God, but I don't know if I can make it. <laughs> That's doing it in your flesh. That's not real commitment. A holy and healthy commitment is made with our hands uplifted, saying, you know best, Lord. I surrender to the possibilities you are calling me to. It's up to you. There's no end to what the Savior Creator can remake with a surrendered soul, wise enough to say, yes, Lord. It's the last time you raised your hands. And a sign of surrender. And a sign of surrender. Yes, Lord. You see, I can lay around. And my flesh would love for me to lay around and, and, and just be engulfed and, and just wrapped up in my pain that I'm in right now. I live in constant pain in my shoulders and my neck. Days where it just cripples me. And my pain, trust me, there's that beautiful temptation of wanting to wall around in my self-pity and poor me and how it's robbing me of my life. But each day, yes, Lord. Yes, God. Not by my strength. Not by me. Not by the doctors. Not by anyone else. Only by you. I trust in you. This pain will not lord over me. It will not change the way I think. It will not open up doors to depression and chaos and anything else. No, God. I'll use it to remind me each day of my dependence upon you then. Amen. Until you choose to take it away. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. However you want to use it. Yes, Lord. You see, it's not until we truly just really believe and this understanding that no matter what is going on. If I went around the room, we all can probably get a list of just junk in our lives. Stresses in our lives. I can choose to sit and look and go, God, I don't know how it's all going to come together this month. But guess what? I mean, what is it in your life? You see, it's not about trying to work it out and, okay, I'll just do it. No, some of us just need to stop working at it <laughs> and just raise our hands and just say, lead me, Lord. Lead me. I want to be surrendered to you. And I'm not surrendered to you I'm consumed myself. And the last quote is the one you hear me say a lot around here. The body of Christ needs you. You're part of the body and you should be functioning. Without you functioning, the body is hindered from fully functioning. If you're a believer, if you truly say you're a believer, 
that you are first connected to Christ, but you're then connected to the body. He is the head. And we need each other. We need each other. And I've learned so much through this pain about muscles. And how muscles support other muscles, even if they're way down here. They support what's up here. And so the muscles, when you start having an ache or a pain, the muscles from other areas will begin to react to try to support it. And so that's why you go in for massages. Because the therapist then massages it, and it's basically what the massage does. It's telling the muscles, hey, 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 relax. It's okay. It's going to be okay. That muscle's going to be okay. You don't need to overexert yourself. Relax. I'm like, wow. That's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. That we come into where we support each other. That we need each other to fully function. We don't need to overreact and hypersensitize it and get all woo. No, we just need to remain calm and we just need to function together. You're gifted and your gifts are needed in the body of Christ. God has gifted everyone. The Holy Spirit distributes gifts throughout the church. And you're to be fully functional. You're to be a healthy member of the body of Christ. So I want to challenge us with that in closing. As we've gone through weeks, about eight weeks now, of just understanding His Lordship and what it is to live under His Lordship, under His rule and under His reign in and through our lives. But may we remember that we're connected. And we need each of us to be fully functional and healthy in Christ in order to go out and impact the world for Christ. Yes? I'd like to function. Hey, man. <laughs> now, I, I just wanted to share briefly. It's been coming to me for about the past 15 minutes. Sometimes I have dreams. Mm -hmm. And um, well, several months ago, I shared it with the vet. I mean, it, it, it really triggered when you were talking about our past, and it just triggered me, maybe there's someone here that can relate to this, mm. and I'll be as briefly, brief as I can, You're because fine. you don't know me real well. You guys know that um, I was married, been divorced for seven years, it was November 19th was my seventh year, I'm now near Jubilee, praise mm. because I have um, completely forgiven him for my part, I love him, I pray for him. For his salvation. Yes. I mean, I knew this man for 40 years. He's remarried. He was a deacon in a church. He mm. went into prisons. He would pull off the side of the road and give poor people his clothes. He was a man of God. And to see what's happened to him just grieves me mm. to my very core. Yes. Mm. And um, I just want to say God gave me a dream because I am right now I'm in the healing process. I crammed this, y'all, mm. for six years. Wow. And now I'm getting in touch with my feelings again. Mm. And that hurts. Um, because I've, I'm a, I didn't realize I was crammed. I thought I was a, you know, but I'm not. Right. <laughs> and so now I'm really, I'll lay in bed at night some nights and I'll just feel the pain of the loss of him mm. because he was my best friend. And 
um, you know, I, I made the commitment when I married him when I was 21 years old that that was the man who I was going to till death do his part. Mm. And so, you know, it's been a real uh, ongoing process of release. And I had a dream one night. I was in a room in a house, and it was full of boxes. It was a bedroom, and it was supposedly my and my ex-husband's bedroom. And um, there were boxes everywhere, but they were all sealed up, and there were a few pieces of furniture around. And there was a man in the room. It wasn't my ex, or he wasn't anywhere around. Some man in the room. And I was kind of sharing, saying, yeah, you know, this is, um, we're getting, I'm getting ready to move out of here, and this is some of our stuff. And I was married for almost 39 years, kind of sad. And I looked over at the man, the man was naked. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I saw his backside, and I'm like, you know, he's naked. And thinking, you know how God will give you interpretation right. after you wake up or in the dream, you're thinking, oh, you know. So I went from that room after noticing this man. He didn't really comment or say anything to me. I went into another room of the house, which represented my daughter's bedroom. Um, it was the same way. Hmm. It was all packed up. She was not there. I knew that that part of my life was, you know, um... At the time of the dream, I didn't. Like I said, afterwards, God gave me the interpretation. But my daughter's 27. She's married to a Christian young man, and they're getting ready to move up to New York. So she's pretty much gone, you know. And um, all of a sudden, I went from that house in that room to this uh, kind of a large area. I don't know if it was an auditorium or what. And there were people walking around. There was this young woman walking around with a sign. And they all had these signs, and I went up to her, and I noticed somebody over here talking to this other person, and I went up to this young woman, and I said, what are y'all doing? She was naked. And she said, she said, well, she says, we're just protesting against those people, meaning Christians. I knew she was talking about Christians, and we're having a protest. And she said, I will never say that Jesus is Lord. Hmm. And I instantly laid my hand on her, and I said, every knee shall bow, and I touched her head, and she fell to her knees, and I put my hand on her mouth, and I said, every time she'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and she began to confess Jesus was wow. Lord. Mm -hmm. And so, that I went over to this man, or I think it was a man praying for somebody, and they were praying for this person for healing. And I remember I thought, well, maybe I should help, and the Lord said no. And I knew that I had done mm -hmm. what he had given me to do. But after I woke up from the dream, and I said, wow, Lord, that was strange. And mm. he said, well, the naked people, that's the sin, mm. their nakedness. It's, you know, we're exposed wow. yes. when you're in sin. Mm -hmm. You're naked before God. We're all naked before him. He sees our sin, and mm. all these people were uh, unsaved unbelievers. Mm. The Lord was just showing me. And he said, in order for you to do what you did and minister in my power and my might, all that was in that house, your past has to be gone. So if anybody here is holding on to anything in your past, if you want to be everything that God has created you to be, and he has a powerful ministry for each and every person in this room, yes. but you will only find it if you let go. You cannot walk in unforgiveness. You cannot walk in bitterness. You cannot walk in resentment. It will totally bind and block his flow of this Holy Spirit in your life. So if there be anybody in this room, let it go. Yes. And and ask God to help you to forgive that person that yes. is so abused and rejected and, and hurt 
hurt you, yes. to ask God help you to forgive them from your heart. And it took it can take a while sometimes. Mm -hmm. Don't be impatient with yourself. Don't go by your feelings. That's right. Do it because he says to do it, and the yes. feelings will come. He yes. will change your heart yes. as you in obedience continue to mm. forgive that person. And once you have done that with any and everybody in your life that has hurt you, rejected you, whatever they've done to you, then you will be able to, God will be able to come into you and use you in a mighty Amen. way. And that Praise was what God. God showed me in that dream. And I tell you, in the past, bet knows, <laughs> past two months, God is just wow. doing a real number. But yeah, this is my beautiful. year of Jubilee, yes. and it's just been Released. letting it all yes. go. And I'm sorry it's taken me seven years, but mm -hmm. hey, you know, whatever. It's that process of maturing. It's that process of growing. It's yes. that process of allowing him to continue to transform us. And it yeah, is. it is. It, and it's I've it's what it change. is. And her, because her heart is getting softer. Because she doesn't Amen. cry. And lately she's been weepy. Not not not, not yeah. That's a good thing because that's the healing that's taking place in her mind. Uh, and beautiful. it's just incredible to watch this woman who is incredibly... Well, I really appreciate you sharing. I know that's really encouraging. And that's what it is, about being transparent before each other, encouraging each other, edifying each other, and building each other up so ultimately our lives would bring Him glory and honor. I'm closing with the song that you have in front of you, Worlds Apart, because I want you to hear it now not only as a song. I want you to read the words as a prayer. And I'll close this in prayer.
Wash the feet and 